And just taking a break, because if you think, oh, six, six, six days, I don't know if I could do that, then taking that break will show you whether you need to or whether you don't. If you can moderate and drink occasionally and you see a benefit from doing it, I personally don't see a benefit from it now. But if you can do that, that's fine. But if you're questioning whether you should do sober spring, if you're drinking more than one and a half bottles of wine a week, then really you probably should do it. And you have nothing to lose. You've nothing to lose. You'll save more money yeah. than you'll spent doing it, and uh, you'll come, you'll come out of it happy, sleeping better, being feeling more healthy. And you can think about it rationally because when you're withdrawing from alcohol or you know thinking when's the next drink coming, you, you're not in a rational place to observe yourself and your feelings and decide whether you you know drinking's a good thing for you or not. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Series two of the podcast is all about the importance of taking a break from alcohol as we launch our third Sober Spring Challenge. Sober Spring starts on the 21st of September and provides online audio and community support for 66 alcohol-free days. Today's interview is with a very important member of our team, Lucy. I first met her at our London workshop way back in 2018 and she's been a vital member of our community ever since. Lucy celebrated her second Soberversary last week and we chatted about her story as well as Sober Spring and how it actually feels to try a prolonged period of time without alcohol. So let's hear more from Lucy. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm 55. Uh, I live in Derbyshire, which is in the middle of the UK, middle of England. Um, I'm married. I, I've got a small holding um, horses cats too much grass when when did you start thinking that uh you wanted to change your relationship with alcohol when did you start thinking there might be a problem the, the big thing for me really was the doctors said to stop drinking and it took me a year to find out what was the matter with me which wasn't drinking related and um my husband asked if i could drink again and the doctor said yes yes you can drink again but limit it to a sort of you know a glass a couple of glasses a week um, and then, of course, a couple of glasses a week doesn't stay a couple of glasses a week. And uh, off I went and my drinking increased. I had sort of a high stress job. Probably throughout my 40s, my, my drinking had crept back up to levels where I knew it was getting silly um, because I, I could count units. I knew about alcohol, but I was becoming more dependent on it in terms of keep, keeping my stress levels at bay. So in reality, it, it was probably in my 40s that I started really contemplating you know, contemplating my drinking. And at that point, I tried, was trying to moderate and not necessarily doing the best of jobs. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, it's a bit of a warning sign, isn't it, when we go from drinking socially to then drinking uh, to self-medicate our stress because mm. it's, it's a bit of a switch there, isn't it? Okay, so you had got, did you do like dry January and things like that? Did you used to have breaks sometimes? Um, I did quite a few different things. I did dry January. I gave up for Lent one year and I started sort of reading more, a bit more, and I started recording how much I was drinking. Again, you know, I was determined that I was going to be normal and I could moderate and uh, I just needed to try a bit harder. But in, in reality, moderation is a difficult thing when you've reached a certain point, I think. Yeah, as you know, we say once you've crossed a line with your drinking, it's very hard to go back. And I think lots of us do things like dry January and we take a break because, and then we go back to moderating because, first of all, we're trying to prove, aren't we, that we don't have a problem. Uh, and secondly, we can't bear the thought of not having alcohol in our lives. You know, well, that's, that's what it was like for me. Mm. I thought, I never want to drink so much that somebody says to me, you've got to stop. <laughs> but I got to that point. So I remember when you came to the London workshop, you you were already about a month sober, weren't you? So how how did that happen? As I, as I got into my fifties, I did I'd stopped for quite a while in in my late forties, and then uh, I'd, I'd started again in in my fifties, uh, and I got quite a lot of um, digestive problems, which resulted in me having to go and see a specialist, and having various checks and the the guy again said cutting your alcohol down I, I was coming up to a sort of year and I'd got to go back and see him again and I thought right if, if I can't if I don't get if I go back and I I sort of say I'm still drinking he's going to give me a bit of a dead eye so I decided that really I ought to stop and the other thing that happened in parallel for me was um Claire Pooley's books Sober Diaries jumped off a shelf in in one of the bookshops um and I I read that and enjoyed it and then I read Claire's blog from end to end and it was Claire actually that put um put your workshop up and I I kept watching the tickets going down and wondering whether to go or not to go and in the end there was one ticket left and I thought well it's shit or bust now you either go for it Lucy or you don't so I was I was feeling reasonably comfortable but I thought I need a bit more help because I've stopped a lot of times and you know always ended up starting again so I got the last golden ticket to the first London workshop and uh, I've never really looked back since. Oh, I'm so glad you got that last ticket, Lucy. <laughs> we would have found you another one <laughs> if it was sold out. <laughs> uh, so talk to me about what happened after the workshop. So you'd already done a month alone and then you came to the workshop really for a bit of a top-up, didn't you, in your motivation. And and what happened after the workshop? I think that the workshop did a number of things for me. It um, it gave me a lot of useful information that I didn't necessarily have. Um, a lot of the physiology and biology and the effects drinking has on you. Uh, it also meant I met a group of people that were similar. And a, a lot of the trouble with drinking is the shame you feel if you're drinking a bit too much. And I was I was highly functioning. It didn't affect me, my performance at work. I got up, I did my job. But at the end of the day, um, I think really you know in your heart of hearts if you're drinking a bit too much but then most of your friends are doing the same so it feels it sort of normalizes it um so after the workshop I'd met people that also 
you know, decided they wanted to look at their drinking. And having a, a tribe, a, a WhatsApp group, where I could keep chatting with those people provided a huge amount of support. And it was non-judgmental. I mean, the workshop was lovely because there was no judgment. It was just giving people facts and tools to help themselves. And I think really getting involved in the, the UK WhatsApp group um, probably changed my life. I, I really... Um, I'm an all or nothing person and I throw myself into things and so I was the sort of annoying little sod on the group that was always chatting every day and putting up a picture and <laughs> you know putting up these little thought for the days it, it was just a good place to be and it stopped me you know, I think when you when you're ashamed of doing something or you're concerned about it you don't tend to shout about it and actually having a having a tribe means that you you've got support and you've got people that understand because, you know, you tell people you're drinking a bit too much and they sort of, oh, that's, you're only drinking that. Oh, that's normal. You know, that's fine. What's your problem? And actually, if you're concerned yourself, you want somebody to say, yeah, I understand your concern and here's how to help you. Yeah, yeah. I think connecting with other people on the same path is absolutely crucial. Yeah, you were amazing on the, the WhatsApp group. I remember at five o'clock every evening you'd be, okay, who's in? <laughs> it was like a roll call. <laughs> Sergeant Major. <laughs> so when did you decide to become a subscription member? I can't, can't quite remember that. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Yeah, I joined up fairly quickly after the workshop. I thought the more things I throw myself into, the more I've invested time, effort, money into doing things, the less likely I am to find myself a good excuse to back out. Um, so, yes, I joined up fairly quickly. And I worked out, you know, after a, a probably a week, I'd saved the money it cost to join by not drinking for that week. So it was it was a bit of a no-brainer, really. So what would you say the advantages of membership have been for you? I mean, for us, it's a huge advantage having you in our international tribe, but I hope you get something from it from your side. I think the, the thing, nice thing about the membership is you get WhatsApp members group. You get um, the six-month-plus group when you actually achieve that, and that's a nice – it's a different sort of chat on there. Um more and more, we're getting a lot of detailed information on the WhatsApp groups, good links, research. So you're improving everybody's knowledge by being on it. And sorry, we're, I'm improving my knowledge. Everybody's knowledge is improving by being a member. Um, you, you're meeting new people. You're getting in, getting involved in anything gives you a warm feeling. So you, you know, if you as you go along, you can help others a little bit, and that makes you feel good. So it pays back a little bit. Um, I think uh, the other thing you get is you get access to um, a doctor if you want help and information, which obviously doesn't um, take over from you going to see your own GP. But again, you can ask questions that you might not feel comfortable going to talk to your own doctor about. I think really the big thing for me is support and friendship of people that understand you because most people don't really understand you. But yeah, we we all understand each other, and I love the way that complete strangers come together, and they're, they're just opening their hearts, aren't they? It's, mm. uh, so, how long have you been alcohol free now? I feel you're coming up to a very important soberversary, aren't you? I'll be two years on Wednesday. Oh, amazing! Which is amazing. And how do you feel? How do you feel? How would you list the benefits? It's a strange thing, really, because life goes on. I'm giving up alcohol lets you gives you your life back really so 
I think the first thing that hits you are probably the health benefits. You sleep better, your skin's better, your digestion's better, your temper's better, patience is better, relationships improve with some people and not necessarily with everybody. Um, I'm certainly, I, I struggle with depression on and off and my depression has improved significantly. I think not having to work your life around alcohol is a huge one really because when you're trying not to drink or you're trying to moderate you're always putting in rules and controls and checks and balances and then you spend a lot of time trying to achieve them and that takes a lot of willpower and invariably at some point you'll fail and you know and then you spend a lot of time beating yourself up about the fact you failed and then you go on a bender because you've just blown it so you you, you put an awful lot of stress and time in your life that where your head's busy thinking about and controlling your drinking because you know you perhaps you know you think you need to or you should you should do. I mean we um, we've talked about the should and the whys really. You know a lot of the time when I failed to stop drinking when I decided to stop it was because I I felt I should and in reality you have to want to in the end. You know what you have to want to stop drinking as opposed to think you should stop drinking and that was I don't think the last well this last time I don't think I particularly wanted to when I started but because of the support and the knowledge reading Quitlit, learning a lot more and finding my life was improving then my should stop drinking turned into I want to stop drinking and I think people suddenly want at some point they want to get their life back and all that time you spend with an alcoholic involvement if you see what I mean um you're not doing something more enjoyable or something better and suddenly you've got more time in your life to you know take up hobbies read more expand your mind go for better walks appreciate things that before you were you know you you walk into the pub you're rushing to get to the pub you're not walking up the lane and noticing there's a dragonfly flown past or there's bats when you come home in the evening or you know you start to notice things and you get you get lots of time back you as you say you get your life back and I just like the simplicity of alcohol free living Mm. you know like you Ed used to be full of this stuff you know oh how many units have I had this week I mean it's it's such a boring topic there's so many more interesting things to think about aren't there and it, it feels a bit like freedom I think it's just I think somebody said the other day that she feels like she's been let out of prison. I mm. thought that was quite a powerful analogy. I remember, I remember Janet, I used to keep a little notebook with my units on, which is one of the things the counsellors had told me to do a long time ago. And just the, the fact of not having to fill that in every day and then counting up the units and realising you'd blown your limit, arbitrary limit you'd set yourself at the end of the week and then feeling disappointed you know it's it was just it was like a release it it certainly is like a release yeah absolutely so talking of kind of logging units and all that um there there is a a place for that I think in early sobriety and you've uh, designed these lovely trackers for us and it's I think it's very interesting because although you know we're all so online these days and we've got god knows how many trackers and apps on our phones you've just designed something that goes on a a very simple piece of paper (laughs) and it's just helping so many people so talk talk to us a bit about why you designed that and why you think it's it's helping people I actually stole it from the the South African tribe, somebody had put something on 
when in my early sobriety, before, probably before Christmas, they said, oh, I'd done a, a tracker and they'd done something amazingly pretty and coloured it all in. And being an engineer, I didn't tell you that, did I? I'm, I'm an engineer. Uh, being an engineer and using Excel, I did a slightly more square and functional one that wasn't so pretty. But to me, it, I did it. Was I was trying a bit to encourage some of the other people of the UK group to keep going. And so by actually colouring in a square every day, whether you drank or whether you didn't, you start to, A, you, you get the physical thing of doing that. So you get the dopamine hit when you've succeeded and, you know, you get a tick. And also you get to see that you're not, one day doesn't blow the boat, if you sort of mean. You've, you've, um, you're not a failure if you drink one day. Ideally you wouldn't, but if you do one day and you think, oh, no, that's it now and you look back and you realize you've done 10 days previous without drinking you think oh well that's just one day so it actually and it gives you the incentive to have a run and to increase increasing your runs of sober days so the app things are good but you've got to remember to go into them mainly I mean I'm sure there's some that will give you notifications but I stuck my tracker when I did it on um on the cupboard where I would have kept wine it was again another pause if you thought right I'm going to go and have a drink and you go to your cupboard and the first thing you see is your tracker and you see you've done five days without drinking or 55 days without drinking or whatever it is it makes you stop and then it makes you think and your reasoning brain comes back into the fore rather than your wine which emotional give me a drink now brain I think it does certainly me a lot of good more so than ticking a box on a on a phone or something and it's a physical thing it's in the way it's in your face if you put it on your fridge or your cupboard door or you know wherever really so I'm I'm a bit I'm not a Luddite I mean I'm fairly techy but I, I like colouring things in so I suppose that's why it suited me yeah no, well well everyone you know seems to love them and I particularly like the sober spring one you know we've got all 66 days and inevitably you know people have a little slip up now and again but for me, it's a bit like dieting. You know, I was always on a diet. And if I'd had a kind of late night, terrible meal out uh, the next morning, I would think, well, I've completely blown my diet now. I might as well eat, you know, forever. <laughs> so it's it's just to get that perspective, to see the big picture, isn't it? Mm. And I like what you said to some of the sober springers the other day. You know, even if your, your 66 days isn't perfect, you will have had some stretches during those 66 days so maybe you know people will only get 50 hours of 66 but if normally they wouldn't have got any hours of 66 yeah. then it's a huge step forward so yeah so I love your trackers Lucy Thank it's you very, very much they're very visual and visual things stimulate your brain yeah. as well so so every Saturday afternoon you pitch up for our Zoom cafe and they're, they're relatively new, but they're working pretty well. I just wondered what your theory is about why people like them. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I mean, I, I like I like supporting things and I like encouraging people and it's nice to hear how people are doing and, and give them some support. Um, you have interesting people doing little talks and things as well, which is nice. And it's quite nice to be able to put names to faces of people. So you've seen names coming up and people on the group, but you don't really, unless you were in that particular workshop with them, if they'd been to a workshop, you don't really know, you can't picture them. And I, I say, I think I'm a bit of a pictorial person. Um, so I, I think it 
it gives another layer of connection beyond the, the WhatsApp group. So you've got a visual connection as well as a verbal one. And I think, and you've got a sort of a more immediate response to things as well, because you've not got to type it. So there's not, it's not so stilted. Um, and I think, it, I think the more people go, the more they, they enjoy going and try and go, go on it. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. Yeah, I think it's exactly as you put it there. It's another layer of connection. And uh, it's just lovely to see people's faces and uh, just feel feel closer to them and have us all together because on the WhatsApp group it tends to be, you know, maybe two people talking and then later on in the evening other people all go and read the thread. Mm. But uh, the Zoom cafe, everybody's there in the moment, so it, yeah. it works well. And there's a good balance of people there, Janet, as well, I think. There's people that are just starting out and they can get yeah. part from people that have, further down the journey there's people that are you know perhaps struggling a little bit and they'll pick up little gems that will help them for the next week that they'd perhaps not thought of or they'd not read on the groups and I think um I think once you've been on it it's as I say if you start if you're having a little bad patch it's very easy to withdraw it's easier to withdraw you know from a whatsapp group but if somebody's disappeared a bit and particularly when you've seen them and made a bit of connection there's quite likely somebody that will you know, just drop them a message and say you're all right. And just that little fact of somebody put, you know, sending them a hug or something gets them to come back again. Because, you know, when lots of people are doing well, if you're not doing so well, it, it can be quite difficult. And, you know, the people that come on the group and that on the Zoom and on the WhatsApp that have, have had a, you know, a bad night or something, I always think how brave it is of them to come up and, and say so, because it's a lot easier just to either keep quiet and not tell anybody or you know pretend it didn't happen oh, you know I'm fine and really you're not fine it's another it's, a, it's an increased level of vulnerability I, I think and you think oh, what if somebody knows me if I go on the zoom and somebody knows me well actually they'll be sitting there thinking oh I know that lady she knows me so you're never going to be in a difficult position so you're not going to bump into them in the street and be embarrassed or meet them at work and be embarrassed so that's a really good thing as well everybody's in the same in the same boat yeah, yeah, we had a lady on the Sober Spring bus the other day and she said, oh, I found one of my friends on here. <laughs> and she didn't realise that a friend was trying to change her drinking either, but now they're nice sober buddies. It shows you how we're all we're all ashamed of ourselves. And I think it's terribly sad that people are ashamed of drinking something that is addictive. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that shame. It's so, so socially acceptable to drink. If you do start to drink a bit too much, and you're probably going to because it's an addictive substance. You know, you never hear people saying, oh, I don't drink as much now. It's always going to creep up. The shame of it is that's something we, we need to dispel more. And I think that's one of the things that makes me go to Zoom and makes me talk to other people if they ask me and, and be proud of the fact that I don't drink now because, you know, things are. it's going to be difficult to change things because drinking is such a commercial thing. It's so much big business and money and advertising. And the little people that are trampled underfoot as a consequence of it the lives that are ruined the marriages that are destroyed the children that you know end up having difficulties it's all because of something that we feel ashamed of when actually you know it's a drug that's being pushed to us and I I feel quite strongly about that I 
I think it's, you know, I don't know how you change it, but the more we can educate people to not be ashamed and to realise drinking is a socially difficult, dangerous thing for some people, then the more we can help people recover their lives. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, I share your annoyance at the whole machine, you know, trampling the little people underfoot and all. And I think uh, women, especially, we, we've got a difficult kind of tightrope to walk, haven't we? Mm. Because if we don't drink, we're no fun. But if we get wasted, then that's not cool either, you know. So, and a lot of us, we're, we're in either one side or the other. And, and I do, you know, talk to lots of people that, even if they've given up, they say, oh, I still feel so ashamed, you know, of how I used to be. And and I say to them, please, you know, don't be ashamed. You're not the bad guy here. Alcohol is the bad guy. You know, it's a drug that's pushed on us day after day after day. So, yeah, it would be great to try and lessen some of that, that feeling of shame that I think women particularly get. So we've recently launched our annual Sober Spring Challenge. We've already got one of the Sober Spring buses on the road. You're one of our key cheerleaders. How are they doing in there? It's manic, to be honest. The, the <laughs> I think there's over 100 people on the first bus, I think, isn't it? It may be gone, gone up since then. And there's an awful amount of traffic going on. Um, and surprisingly, there's not many people leaving because quite often people think, oh, what am I doing? or they get a bit overwhelmed, or they, you know, they failed on the first day, they just don't want to keep coming back. But um, there's a there's a huge amount of people, and there's some very good support. Somebody's putting a, a song a day on, which is brilliant, a motivational mm-hmm. sober song. Um, yeah. And there's, uh, there's a lot of support growing amongst a, quite a big group of people that you would, you know, you, these people don't know each other. The only thing they've probably got in common is they want to look at their drinking and probably a lot of them don't necessarily want to stop drinking, but they're conscious they need to give themselves a bit of a break. And it's it's heartwarming to see the amount of uh, chatter and support and people checking up on each other, giving good ideas. Also, the there's a, quite a lot of um, good research being posted on as well that you're putting on. So again, it makes people question things a little more. So I think it's a, it's it's absolutely fantastic for people to give their bodies a rest. Thirty days you can white knuckle, and you're basically looking forward to your next drink when it's over. Sixty six days you are starting to really feel the benefits. Your sleep is improving, your skin's improving. You know, if you have anxiety or depression, quite often they're improving, um, and you're not sort of getting the wine which hour and really gagging for a drink at six o'clock or whatever time it is for you so I think the 66 days is such a good idea because it it does give people sufficient pause to start to then really question why would they want to go back to drinking yeah. whereas I think yeah. sometimes you do a dry January I did quite a lot of dry Januaries you you are really just waiting for February aren't you you're not we chose the 66 days because uh, research uh, proves that that's long enough, you know, to build a new neural pathway, to ha- build a new habit. And we've seen, you know, it works in previous sober springs. Uh, many people have joined just to take a break, give their bodies a rest. And by the end of the 66 days, they're finding it relatively easy not to drink. They're feeling amazing. And they're thinking, well, why should I, you know, 
do that again because they've they've been through the really difficult bits, you know, and all the explaining to the friends a bit, and they've learned the social skills to be out there and have fun without drinking. So it feels like a massive step backwards to then start drinking again. But uh, you know, having said that, there are people that take a break with that and then they might be able to go back uh, to moderate drinking it depends how far down the line they were really um so yeah we've got second sober spring challenge uh starting on the 21st of september what would you say to someone that's thinking about signing up but not sure i get a lot of people saying 66 days are you crazy you know i could never go 66 days without the booze what would you say to them I would say to them, if you think you couldn't do 66 days without drinking, then you should question the amount that you're drinking. That would be the first thing. Actually, you really do need a break because probably your drinking is starting to get a little bit beyond your control. And it's not nice being controlled by alcohol. You know, if you're moderating, you're trying to be in control of it. But actually, a lot of the time, it's the drink controlling you. So I would say 66 days is a great thing. But there's, there's no negatives for not for not trying it. You know, you'll end up feeling better. You'll look better. You'll be healthier. You'll have saved a ruckload of money that you can spend on something nice to do. You know, go and have a massage. If doing something nice is a lot better than getting pissed, you know, there's not really any any bonus. Once you've had the initial buzz of drinking, you, you the pleasure's almost gone if there is any pleasure, and so. And I think your liver will love you. I think your body will love you. You you know, if you don't look after your body, uh, somebody said that, if you don't look after your body, where are you going to live? Our systems are designed to deal with poisons, deal with toxins, get rid of waste products. And we're putting an awful burden on those. So if you want to live a long and healthy life, um, then giving your body as much help as you can to um, to do that is a sensible thing to do. And just taking a break, because if you think, oh, 66 days, I don't know if I could do that, then taking that break will show you whether you need to or whether you don't. If you can moderate and drink occasionally and you see a benefit from doing it, I personally don't see a benefit from it now. But if you can do that, that's fine. But if you're questioning whether you should do sober spring, if you're drinking more than one and a half bottles of wine a week, then really you probably should do it. And you have nothing to lose. You've nothing to lose. You'll save more money yeah. than you'll spent doing it, and uh, you'll come, you'll come out of it happy, sleeping better, being feeling more healthy. And you can think about it rationally because when you're withdrawing from alcohol or you know thinking when's the next drink coming, you, you're not in a rational place to observe yourself and your feelings and decide whether you you know drinking's a good thing for you or not. Yeah, and it's such a great way to test your dependence, isn't it? Mm. Because 20% of social drinkers will become dependent over the years. And uh, we're certainly in that 20%, and so are millions of other people. So I think as you get older, you've really got to take regular breaks. And if uh, we do have the occasional person that will just sail through 66 days without a drink, and, and obviously they're fine. They don't have any problem. They've got a very good relationship with alcohol. But uh, most of us, you know, then it, it causes us to to ask much deeper questions and, and change change our futures. Thank you so much, Lucy. There's some great advice from you, as always. I'll just pick out a few points from the conversation. And Lucy was a social drinker until her 40s, and then her stressful job pushed her into using alcohol more to self-medicate the stress. 
I think that's a bit of a warning sign because there's a difference, isn't there, between going out with your friends and having a glass or two of wine and enjoying their company. There's a difference between that and coming home completely stressed out because of a difficult day at work and then grabbing a bottle of wine and drinking it to to relieve how you're feeling because you want to feel different. You want to numb that feeling. So I think that's a warning sign. So look out for that. Now Lucy, as many of us, she tried to moderate because she was determined to be normal, determined to be able to just have a glass or two like everybody else. But as many of us, it didn't really work out. And I think if there's one thing that I'd like um, to say with a bit of experience now, one thing that I've learned, and the hindsight is a, a beautiful thing, it is so much easier just to ditch the stuff completely than to try and moderate. Moderating an addictive drug is very difficult. Whereas if you just stop drinking and I admit you're in for a tough few months while you readjust, you know, your habits and get used to living without it and drinking other things instead. But um, once you've gone through a few months, you've changed your habits, you've learned to socialise sober, you've explained to your friends what you're doing then uh, it becomes the new normal and you have a whole different life ahead. So Lucy came along to the workshop with a month of sobriety under her belt. We have quite a few people that do that. I think it's a great idea, actually, because you've already learned a bit about the, the problems and you can discuss those at the workshops. And it, it just helps to have, have dipped your toe in the water, so to speak. So she came along with that month of sobriety because she wanted to get a bit more motivation. She wanted to make sure that she she maintained and she sustained this uh, her sobriety because she had done the odd month before but never managed longer than that. And it worked for her. And mainly, you know, as always, it was connecting with other people on the workshop and she stayed in touch with them afterwards. And... Uh, she enjoyed this kind of community support so much that she became a member and she loves being a member and she's a very crucial part of our membership community. She loves the support and the friendship. She always pitches up for our weekly Zoom cafe and she's um, loving the, the information that circulated. As you probably know on WhatsApp groups, there's, there's this store, there's like a filing cabinet of pictures and links and documents and it's brilliant you know so we say to newcomers new members just check out you know this particular part of the whatsapp group and they're always astonished by the the, the material there there's just so much and it's so useful so to bring you up to date a bit with sober spring we've got a whole bunch of fabulous people who started sober spring challenge on the 1st of september and they're connecting very strongly via WhatsApp and the weekly Zoom cafe. But don't despair if you missed out on that sober bus because we've got a second sober bus leaving on the 21st of September. That's definitely the last sober spring bus of the year. So think about catching it. Think about buying a ticket. There's a lot of support to keep you going. There's community support, there's audio support and of course your daily emails to keep you on track. Now, talking of tracks, you heard Lucy and I discussing the power of trackers. 
Now, if you're listening to this and you're a bit intrigued by these trackers, then just uh, drop us an email or just say, uh, please send me Lucy's tracker. And she's actually designed two. She's designed an annual tracker and a 66-day tracker. And we'll uh, send both to you straight away. And if you're listening to this way past the Sober Spring sign-up date and you'd like to try a 66-day challenge, then again, just email us and we'll make a plan for you. We'll let you know when the next one is. So thanks so much for listening and don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.